Americans eat 31% more packaged snack foods than any fresh snack foods, with Oreos being the most popular snack food and potato chips being the most salty snack. But what if you can make your own amazing snacks at home? And this is Yoma's Cookie Cast. You're listening to Yoma's Cooking Cast, a podcast dedicated to teaching home cooks how to improve their skills in the kitchen and share a mutual appreciation for food. Welcome to Yoma's Cooking Cast. I'm James the Count Yoma. And I'm Big Bird. Hi, James. What's up, Big Bird? What are we talking about today? We're talking about snacks. Homemade snacks all day, baby. I like snacks. I've been told that I'm quite a snack. Um, Okay. You're in the wrong neighborhood. (laughs) I'm (laughs) kidding. Normally, people just wink at me and say I'm the whole meal. And at first, I thought that was a compliment. But now I think they're just calling me fat. (laughs) (laughs) I usually get the, excuse me, can you get out of the way? Like, okay. Somebody once told me that I'm thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. Is that what it is? You must be hanging out in uh, some interesting neighborhoods in Chicago. I am, actually. Everyone. You're up up on the Clark and Wallen area of uh, Chicago. (laughs) Just north of Pullman. (laughs) Did you know that? Did you know potato chips were the most popular snacks across the land? I didn't, but it makes sense because we're, we're kind of fat as people in general. I think around the world, well, you know, 31% of Americans eat prepackaged foods, but I'm, I'm not surprised that potato chips are the biggest one. I thought maybe French fries would have been, but when you think about like convenience products, like crap you buy in the store, yeah, there's an, an entire aisle dedicated to bagged chips. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm quite guilty of it myself. I actually try not to walk down that aisle because... I'll uh, I'll buy a lot of them, and then the bag that's intended to be a portion pack of like eight is actually just a portion size of one yeah. in my household. <laughs> oh, it, it makes it to your house. Usually, it's in the car for me. <laughs> it's that's the rule I have to tell myself. I have to at least make it in the front door. I like I kick open the front door and I just tear open the bag right there. <laughs> Hands all greasy and shit as I'm putting stuff away. What's your favorite chip? What's your um, favorite bag chip? Hmm. You know, I'd probably say it's Lay's Wavy, but I eat them with sour cream or Greek yogurt. Sometimes Greek yogurt so I can tell myself that I'm being healthy. I like dip it like it's <laughs> like it's sour cream. Interesting. What about like the sour cream and onion flavored chips? I don't like them as much. Plain, I feel like really? un, the unmolested potato chips are my preference. Okay. Just, I like the taste of fat potato and salt. Fried, yeah. Yeah. How about you? Um, so it's it really it's like a rotating wheel. Um, top three are gonna have to be Ruffles, Doritos, like original Doritos, and then it's sometimes it's like either lay like regular Lay's or tortilla chips with dip. Oh man, I didn't. So I didn't even think about tortilla chips. There is. <laughs> There is always a bag of tortilla chips in my house. Oh, same here. I got to a point where I would just make nachos with everything, which is probably not the healthiest alternative to pretty much anything. But I can tell you that I have a brand of chips that I have figured out I like for for tortilla chips. I didn't think that would be a thing. Not all tortilla chips are equal. That's true. For whatever reason, on the border are fantastic. Like the restaurant on the border? Yeah. So they, they, they sell salsa and chips, and 
they're just really, really good. Nice, there's, yeah. there's not a brand that I found that I enjoy quite as much. I used to like Chipotle's chips when you buy them. I think the last time I had them, they're just way too salty. So I like the thicker, the thicker cut tortilla chips that you buy at the store. So Donkey is one of them. I don't know if you've heard of them. I have not. If you don't get canker sores in your mouth from eating tortilla chips, you bought the wrong brand. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I like how we talked about, we perfectly segued into the perception of snacks. Because when we thought snacks, what's the first thing that we start talking about? All the fat people stuff. Yeah, candy, candy, chips, fried foods. I mean, every every avenue of social interaction that has snacks is all convenience prepackaged items. So driving movie theaters, regular movie theaters, carnival, like you go to anywhere um, and then they have a snack booth. It's either like something like funnel cake or chips or nachos with cheese. It's never anything. <laughs> it's never anything healthy. It's always just, you know, how much grease can we combine in different textures to, to sell for the cheapest amount? And it well, works. I, like I mean, people love it. Well, and they think from a shelf life perspective, right? You can probably overbuy or overstock any of those things and you'll eventually all sell where I feel like if you were to make like dipped strawberries, you may sell a couple and also they're both going to go bad much faster. Well, I mean, yeah, there's there's a high uh, shelf life on these things because there's a ton of crap in them, a lot of preservatives, a lot of and the way they pack them, you know, like they're not going to go bad for the most part. It's interesting because even the potato chip industry has proposed a healthy alternative, but not necessarily changing their product, just changing how it, it's packaged. So uh, many, 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 many years ago, potato, regular potato chip bag was one ounce. And as the years go on, the portion sizes start getting bigger. So then there were two ounces. And that was a standard to have two ounces. Now, um, in some places, if you want like a healthier version or healthier snack, you get the baked v- version of the two ounce, or you would get the one ounce back to the one ounce portion. So they, they're even reducing these these packaging amounts so you can think like you're getting the same you're obviously getting the same thing for lower um portion but they're not going to come out with a new item that's healthier outside of what they know and what sells the best oh yeah well i mean there's no incentive plus you know they're delicious who are we kidding i tried switching to baked chips and it's fine like in a potato flake dry type of way yeah there's a texture consideration to be to be thought of in there there's there's definitely just reformed potatoes that are baked, which is a shame. <laughs> yep, I agree. Just, if you're going to do it, just slice them, fry them, salt them, you know, and then deal with the repercussions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But there are some alternatives, some healthy alternatives for potato chips. You can bake your own tortilla chips and they actually come out pretty decent if you do it right. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I think you got to use like white corn tortillas. I wouldn't use the yellow corn. The yellow corn ones are really hard and they kind of will like slice your gums open in my experience. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a a crime joke or is that a texture joke? I just think it's a texture joke. Do you hear that baby crying in the background? I do. I thought you meant just because the yellow ones are, they're raised like in a bad neighborhood. So they just <laughs> no <laughs> break, <laughs> breaking out little knives. I cut no, you so bad. You got to get the, the the tortilla chips that are a little softer so they can bake better. The ones Makes that sense. are a little firmer, they fry really well. But the baked ones, you can bake them. Yeah, you just have to like. You don't even have to coat them too much in oil or at all. You just you know bake them. Make sure they're like raised on a little rack so like air can get under them. You know, or you, you know, if you want to get brave and put on a pan, that's fine too. You but, mean I could air fry them? Uh, so I don't, I don't condone anybody <laughs> fryer. 
but if you have if you've received one as a joke for as a you know for a christmas gift then go ahead and use it i'm laughing about this because i've been talking to james that i'm going to get an air fryer for what like a month now and yeah, every day you would just say like to me please don't get an air fryer yeah. <laughs> everybody that i know that it has an air fryer does not use them anymore for the most part and I remember yeah. one somebody a couple of years back was they're like, "Hey, I got an air fryer." I'm like, "It's awesome," and I didn't really know much about them at the time. And every other day or so, she would come in and, and uh, say, "Oh, like I cooked this and this for my family. She made enchiladas. She made like chicken. She made tater tots. She made all these things." And that's cool. She's like, "This thing's a real pain in the butt to clean, and it's a big machine, like bigger than I thought." And I think like maybe a month or two later, I was like, "How's that air fryer?" She's like, "Eh, I haven't used it." I'm like, okay. Well, you know what? One piece of equipment that I use constantly that I would use instead of an air fryer? The oven? I was going to say my cast iron pan and just fry something. But yeah, the oven works too. It definitely, the oven's a healthier <laughs> alternative. So we ended up getting a small one basket deep fryer because the amount of work it would take to fill, take out, clean that cast iron every time we did it. So yeah, you could do that. Get a little like, you know, $50 fryer, $60 fryer. Change it out when you need to. They get a fry daddy, right? Is that what they're called? They're all sorts of, I don't know what brand this one is. They got it for Christmas. Got it. Makes your house smell amazing also. Yeah. Makes in your a, house In a good and bad way. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're like, oh, that sounds great. And then day five, you're like, man, I'm starting to regret this decision. Oh, you're going to have to clean all the grease that splatters everywhere, like off the cabinets, like on the <laughs> counter. You're like, damn it, this is really messy. And then you realize why restaurants have all these hood systems to get all this crap out. Uh, and it's not splattering everywhere but yeah i mean you know tortilla chips making a potato chip healthy at home is going to be kind of a challenge so i would do if you have an air fryer even better you can even dehydrate some of these things so that they're crispy you know i see making potato chips a little more difficult to be healthy at home but yeah. i think you can make a healthier version of a fry yeah absolutely right? i mean there's some that I've made where I've just baked and I've like flat baked them thinking like, oh, okay, like just like roasting a potato and it's come out again, not textually exactly the same as a fry, but it's pretty close to making steak fries and stuff. And they'd be pretty good. Yeah. And there's ways to make it crispy. You can add a little cornstarch slurry on there and bake them at a high temp and they'll, they'll mm, do that. Slurry. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's an old trick for a couple of, couple of reasons, but yeah. But baked potato chips are great, especially if, and not even for snacks, just for sides. Like we do like steak home baked steak fries here at home every now and then, you know, it's an easy, all natural process versus just buying something that's frozen and you don't know where it's been or how it's been processed. All natural, no Botox. It's good. <laughs> no Botox. <laughs> no fillers. No fillers. Yeah. <laughs> you, you'd be surprised the amount of fillers regular food has. And um, a couple of years ago, I, I tried to go gluten-free for the sake of understanding it. Not because I feel like I'm gluten-free, which I'm not. And even like Slim Jims are like packed with wheat and like starch and all sorts of crap in there to fill them up. Isn't it just supposed to be dehydrated meat? Yeah, you'd think so. <laughs> you'd think so. So if you're well, like, next time you're checking out at the store, grab a Slim Jim, look at those ingredients. You're going to see like tapioca, starch flour. You're going to see wheat flour. You're going to see all sorts of crap in there. In fairness, I think if there's any dehydrated meat stick that a Slim Jim is probably lowest on the scale of assuming that it's all natural and just meat. Oh, no, absolutely. Like, I feel like it's, you know, 90% casing. But there was a, <laughs> yeah, there was a time where like the Slim Jim was probably the only stick meat stick you could get at the store. Well, the grocery store. 
Right. That's or a convenience store. <laughs> but, but me saying no, meat no. steak makes me feel uncomfortable. So let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about some healthy snacks? Yeah, let's do it. I like healthy snacks, especially because I like to snack. If you're anything like me, I don't skip meals. And if you're but I definitely like eat me, meals between add my meals. meals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just you're like it's not quite lunchtime, but it's just a little bit past breakfast, like 25 minutes. So you need something, right? Yeah, this is my <laughs> meal before my meal to resatiate. <laughs> exactly, it's like the appetizer to your next meal. It's a fat concept, but also I I'm all for it because I am a glutton, and food is delicious. Food is delicious. One of the easiest healthy snacks that we like to do is popcorn and not the bag popcorn, but you can make popcorn in a pan or um, you can get like the light popcorn if you're concerned with like fat content and all that stuff. And then taking that popcorn, using that as like a blank canvas to season it any way you want. If you want to do like a salt-free seasoning, there's Dash, a company called Dash. They have like these salt-free seasonings you can put on there. If you don't care about the sodium, you can go and all out and where they in the grocery stores that, where they sell popcorn they have little shakers in there like ranch dressing they have like buffalo seasoning cheese butter and you can season it however you want and that way you can make it and then take it throughout the day because some snacks like we'll talk about some snacks that aren't necessarily going to last you later in the day because you, they got to be cold or they got to be hot popcorn's a great one you can even make your own type of like trail mix with popcorn or like checks mix trademark version of that the um, PM. PM. The yeah, but popcorn's a really easy, really cheap way to create a snack that you can have later on or sneak into the movie theaters because you ain't gonna pay the eight dollars for that popcorn unless you you know you must be living like money's not a problem. We used I, to sneak popcorn you know, in the movie theaters growing up. I took out a second mortgage so we can get some popcorn at the movie theater last time we went. Jeez. Question though, I would have never considered popcorn as a healthy snack, probably because when I do get popcorn. I assume popcorn should be like movie theater popcorn and just swimming in what I assume is oil because there's no way it's butter. No, it's definitely butter flavored oil. Yeah. Yeah. And you, have to, you have to stand under that little like dispenser um, and just let it flow. Like if it doesn't weigh more by the time you leave there, you've done it wrong. <laughs> yeah, if it's if it doesn't soak through the bottom of the uh, the little paper bin, like you you screwed up. <laughs> If, if when you drive home, your hand does not slide off the steering wheel, you've incorrectly eaten your popcorn at the movie theater. Exactly. So with popcorn, you can, like at home, we'll do, we'll have a little truffle oil, we'll do cracked pepper, a little truffle oil, and a little bit of salt, get truffle peppered popcorn. It's freaking awesome. Um, you can do Parmesan popcorn. You can do really any popcorn. You can do barbecue flavored popcorn, you know, using the dry seasoning, like barbecue seasoning to add to it. I used to do a Thai peanut dressing popcorn appetizer, and it would be on this big wooden board. It's a big mountainous thing of like Thai, like and you, uh, peanut Thai dressing that you toss in popcorn, and it gets a little bit wet and sticky. But it's um, it's great for like the centerpiece of the table, and people can like pick at it when they when they're eating at the table together. It's a different approach to popcorn. Did you call it Thai Wop popcorn? N no, missed out. I guess. <laughs> you could have called it WAP. Wet ass popcorn. Wet ass popcorn. Come on. 
Nothing makes popcorn look appetizing like having the words wet ass types in front of it. It doesn't make it wet. It just makes it like a little sticky. It's a sticky ass popcorn. <laughs> but it's good. It's, it's good. called sap. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know which one's worse. <laughs> They're both pretty bad. Yeah. But anyway, that's the concept of taking popcorn and creating like any kind of seasoning for it that you want i'll just try to stick to like dry seasonings and then putting that seasoning on the popcorn when it's hot it'll stick better if you put it on cold popcorn it's just going to fall off so i'm assuming i'm wasting money if i buy the pre-packaged microwave bag popcorn no because just... you could do that too but you have to remember there's already predetermined flavor in there you know uh, what i mean yeah. so but if you want like to control how much you make and save a little bit you i buy like the bottle of all the yellow kernels I don't, I don't do the white kernels. The yellow kernels are bigger, and you can do it like that. So how do you prepare them? Do I need to have, like, the 1950s tinfoil over pan no, slowly that, simmering over my stovetop? No, but or the, the con- air thing? No, the concept is, is very similar. I take a pan, usually a pretty, like, about a two-inch deep, at least two-inch deep or more wide pan with a lid. You need a lid for it. And I put about a quarter cup of oil into it, maybe a little more, maybe a third cup of oil, depending on how much I'm making. And then I pour my desired kernels into the pan cold and I, sh- I move it around so they all get covered in oil. Then I put it on the heat, I put it on medium high. And as it's getting hot, I move them around. I just shift it a little bit back and forth so the, the kernels start moving in oil. And then you have to have the lid on it. So it'll start popping, you'll hear it. And then you take it off the heat when the popping has about three seconds, three to four seconds between pops then you pull it off take it off the heat still shake it a little bit if you put too much in there your lid will pop up and then you'll see the popcorn rising i do it all the time on purpose that's awesome because it's great and then that's it you don't want to pull it too far after that because you'll burn the kernels and then you know popcorn burnt popcorn's disgusting can i tell you a fun experiment we once tried at the office sure i don't know who it was that came to this conclusion or came up with the idea or read about it whatever <clears throat> but they had said that you could take popcorn kernels and stick them in a regular brown paper bag, seal the bag as well as you can, stick it in the microwave, and it will it will essentially pop. Yeah. So we took one of our to-go bags, because of course we're, we're a restaurant company. We've got popcorn kernels there. We've got plenty of to-go packaging. And we said, oh, we'll try this out. And we just nuked the bejesus out of this thing. And it took way longer than a regular bag of popcorn, but it worked. You know, Of course, we added you know, a hundred kernels. I mean, I got like 15 popped ones, but for the sake of science, it was pretty cool to figure out like, Oh, that works. Yeah. You can air pop it in the microwave. Absolutely. You need a little bit of, you're gonna have to like coat them in a little bit of oil. So they get like hot and do and pop and have some flavor. You can take, I don't know about here, but up North, the farmer's market around the fall, you can buy dried out corn on the cob and not the decorative kind that your grandma has at her house, but like the, not de- the non-decorative kind, but it's the um, dried out corn yellow yellow corn and you take that put that in a bag and put it in the microwave and then you, for the most part because some of them will fall off you'll pull out a, a pop popcorn on the cob oh my god that's awesome yeah it's mostly you know some of them are going to fall off but it'll still be on there it's pretty cool i feel like i would that's, try that out of principle just to see if that would work it would be a fun snack to do with your kids when they're like you know old enough to understand it and um to show them like hey look look, look this is the corn you see every day here it is on the pop version and they're like whoa <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty cool. I enjoy it. I, I think visually it'd be a cool thing. So my go-to snack usually is Greek yogurt. 
that's my preference of the bunch i'd say just because mm -hmm. it's filling and i usually have greek yogurt in my house so but i'll add if i want it sweet i'll add splenda or a little bit of sugar and mix it in and sometimes some fruit occasionally I add granola not really much else for that do you have any suggestions to make it less i don't know boring repetitive yeah so you could take some of that yogurt I, we talked a couple episodes back i think about doing overnight oats uh you can do an overnight oat breakfast thing the day before and putting some yogurt into it uh it's going to add some richness and some flavor into that overnight oat so the next morning you can have that or your snack after breakfast you can maybe have that and that's actually really a good a good snack since it has like a lot of iron and, and protein and it's oatmeal, so it's good fiber as well. And then the other thing I did recently is we had some locally picked blueberries, and I made, you have to have these popsicle molds, but I made a cinnamon vanilla yogurt blueberry popsicles. That sounds fantastic. I know. Yeah, they're really good. They taste like breakfast in a popsicle version. I had my, I made my neighbor try one, and he's like, oh, this tastes like breakfast. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And then it made me think, I was like, what if I put granola? like at the end so that the granola is like on the base of it or on the top. So it's like the first thing you get like in a, in a parfait. So like reimagining the parfait from like granola and fruit and yogurt into a popsicle version, especially now that it's getting really stupid hot outside. Yeah, I feel like you should do it both. You should do like granola at the bottom. So it's like your first and last bite. It could be, like be a really yeah. good idea. Yeah, it almost looks like it swirls because I, I didn't mix it all the way. I folded mm -hmm. it and then I started putting it into the, um, the popsicle molds. So yeah, using yogurt into like a yogurt popsicle. But I, you'd have to add like honey or agave or whatever your sweetened pre preference is. Mm. Um, that way, you know, it doesn't just taste like tart yogurt unless you're into that sort of thing. I was actually saying I've, I've been eating Greek yogurt so often and for so long now that it almost doesn't even taste that tart to me anymore when I eat it plain. And I don't know if that just means that my taste buds are changing. And I suggest a, a different yogurt that you might like because you because you like Greek yogurt. Have you tried Siggy's brand? I have. Isn't that Icelandic one? Nice, yeah, I think Icelandic, you recommend it to me. It's got lower yep. sugar, higher protein. It's like a thicker. The mouthfeel for me is better than Greek. I love it. I we we have you know I buy Siggy's for my wife, and every now and then I'll take one of hers. But they they have a, a good line of product that does well with with all the same applications as regular Greek yogurt. So I use Greek yogurt as both my, like a sweet and salty snack, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So like for potato chips or anything like a sour cream substitute, I would use Greek yogurt and add a little bit of salt. And that's my, you know, it works. Would Icelandic yogurt work the same way? Or is it just going to be? Yeah, I mean, it, it, as long as you get this, the, the one that's not like flavored. flavored. Yeah. yeah, if you get the plain one, it's fine. I just like the texture of it. I think it's thicker. It's more of like a dip in my opinion if you're going to use it that way versus a sour cream which is a little lighter but yeah like they even have drinkable ones that have probiotics in them i don't know if adult gogurt yeah like an adult gogurt, but it's like a bottle oh. <laughs> you can actually think you know on that note you can make gogurts i have a, a friend who's a chef up in uh, new york who makes adult gogurts for his client and he does a really good job you just need like a vacuum sealer and not you don't even have to vacuum seal it you just it's just sealing the like the plastic and making these little tubes that's actually kind of a good idea yeah it's like a go-to thing yeah it's almost like they're in creating yogurt on the go yeah uh, shout out to andrea or to uh, angelo Basilone. he's uh okay. he's a chef up there awesome genius idea <laughs> take that gogurt manufacturer we can make our own gogurts oh so speaking of 
re- reimagining uh, homemade versions of favorite crap we buy out in the store. Making your own fruit roll-ups is pretty easy. What? Pretty easy. You don't need tell a, me that. Yeah. You, you just need the equipment for it. So you don't need like crazy equipment. I have like a really good dehydrator. They call it the Excalibur. That's the name of it. I'm not calling it that. That's just the name of it. But it's um. <laughs> don't he's he's lying to you. He actually names all of his kitchen equipment. Yeah, uh, Gertrude is the name of his mixer. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what I what you you can do is take a fruit, like let's say the, the same blueberries that we had picked locally. You puree them, or you can even cook them down a little bit, and then puree them, season them however you want. If you got want them a little sweeter, you can. If you want to add like some other things to it, like cinnamon or whatever to add to that flavor, or you could just keep them plain old blueberries. You puree them and then you add a little bit of pectin because berries and apples have pectin in them. That's a natural thickener from fruit, but you would add like just a touch more pectin to get it more like thicker as a, as a, as a hot item, like a hot liquid item. You would lay it out on a, on a pan or on a silt pad, which is like a nonstick pan and put it in your dehydrator for six to 12 hours, depending how thick it is. And you have to check it every now and then. But once it becomes like pliable and you can pull it and it's not wet, you pull it out and it'll dry. And it's like, they call it, you know, fruit leather, which is the same thing as fruit, you know, fruit roll-ups. And uh, you can use that as snacks. That's the snack you can have like later or the next day. You pack it in like a little pack and a little bag. Isn't pectin what you use for making jelly and jam? You can. So jelly and jam uses pectin if you can use, pectin is just a thickener made from fruits, similar to like gelatin which is made from um, animal bones. Got it. And then there's a sea, it, seaweed one called agar agar. So that's made from like seaweed. It's, and they all depend on like how they're being applied. So like gelatin has much more firmness. Uh, pectin has, is more, like if you make pectin and gelatin in the same ratio, you're going to have gelatin's going to be really firm and then pectin's going to like spoon off. You know what I mean? Like it'll, it, it's just thicker that way. James, do you know the difference between jelly and jam? I'm not answering that question because I do know the difference. <laughs> you, you pervert. What's perverted about saying I can't? <laughs> this is I'm this is why I edit yeah. entire thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, they'll know how they'll know the generalization because I called you a pervert. <laughs> oh man! Now I want a sandwich. <laughs> so hey what's some other good homemade snacks you can make i'm what's what's something you can make that's homemade that has a decent shelf life because that's what i would think like that's the beauty of a snack is like you don't have to eat it right away it could be something you make ahead of time and it may last like a week or two um so something that you can make at home is that's really easy two things that you can make at home really easy granola is one of them you can make your own granola and and in the same way you can make granola like loose granola or you can make granola clusters or you can make granola bars it just depends on how you want to make them or like what which one you want it just depends how you bake them and then the other ones would be like your own trail mix is probably the easiest thing here's here's something that i learned a couple years ago that like the nuts the roasted nuts you get in the store or the roasted trail mixes you get in the store and they say like roasted peanuts, roasted cashews. Those they're not roasted; they're fried. They're actually fried. What? Yeah, they're oh, fried. Oh, don't they're, tell me that. Yeah, yeah, they're they're fried, and they're like shallow fried or deep fried, depending. And then that's how they get like that delicious flavor. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, well, it makes sense now. That's why it tastes so good. And that's how the salt sticks to it too. But what you can do is buy these raw items in the raw section, in like the natural section of your grocery store, and then bake them in your house, toast them in your house, and then season them as you want. You know, adding whatever chocolates you want, whatever like raisins, whatever dried fruits you want into it, make your own granola, your own uh, trail mix. I'm a fan of making my own trail mix, and um, it's it's usually cheaper, you know, in the long term, and it's just tastes better because you have more control of what you're going to be making. Um, and then the mm. granola part's really easy. We had um, we had like three cases, like probably like sixty containers, like forty-eight ounce containers of oatmeal at work that was going to expire in three months. And we're like, well, this is we're never going to go through this. So we make parfaits. We make about a thousand parfaits um, a week, maybe more, maybe like fourteen hundred parfaits a week. And oh, that's a lot of parfaits, dude. A lot of parfaits, a lot of granola too. So I was like, well, I'm going to make all this granola with all this stuff and we'll use that instead of the buying our granola. And the quality is just better. You know, the shelf life is a little shorter than the stuff you buy in the store because they're, you know, they've processed it in a way and packaged it in a way that's going to last a little bit longer. But the initial quality is going to be a, a much better. And if you can, you know, if you're making parfaits at home or if you want to have like breakfast cereal style granola, you can do it that way as well. And what it doesn't you have guess the shelf life is for homemade granola. Oh, you get about a week on it. I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's a good shelf life. I mean, yeah. the, the prepackaged granola has like a, most things that have like a six month shelf life make me slightly nervous, even though I'll still eat it and buy it because it's convenient. But yeah, those I can only imagine what's in those that keep them surviving so crisp and fresh for so long. Right. And I think, you know, I think with granola, you have a little control on what you're going to do with it. So a basic formula for granola is you have, you have to put a sweetener, like whether it's maple syrup or agave or honey and oil is the equal, they're equal parts. And you mix that together with your, um, with your oats and what, and you can add like cinnamon, you can add raisins, you can add whatever. But what you can also do is take like puffed rice, which is like rice krispies, or there's, they sell like puffed rice that's not a cereal brand and fold that in there so you get more body and more crunch instead of just the crisp but you get mm -hmm. let me rephrase that you get more crisp and and the crunch you know what i mean like it adds a little air to your to your thing and now if you scatter that on a pan and you bake it at like 300 degrees for about 10 minutes you're going to get like loose granola if you pack it what i do is i put it on a pan like a like a sheet pan and i pack it really really hard and i bake it rotate the pan halfway bake it again and then cool it you can cut out bars like granola bars out of it. And, um, oh, depend, awesome. and the longer you bake it, the firmer they'll be. Um, so then you have more control on like, if you want a chewy granola bar, if you want a not so chewy granola bar, you know, and from there you can like drizzle it with chocolate. You don't have to do anything if you don't want to, but you can do like drizzle the chocolate. You can add some toppings on it if you want. But, and for those who are making granola at their house, make sure that you add the dried fruit after you baked it because your dried fruits are going to rehydrate and then pop and you'll have like burnt dried fruit in your granola. Oh, see, uh, thank you. Good call out. Cause I would not have known that. So question, cause I love peanut butter entirely too much. We've had a discussion. I'll eat peanut butter out of the jar, like with a spoon. Cause I'm a caveman is, is peanut butter, my fat in that instance or my oil. I'm sorry. You would have to add oil because what the oil is going to do is toast everything evenly got it got um, it okay makes sense it's, the oil is not adding flavor it's just toasting it all at the same time so you're not getting like clumps of like burnt and non and raw pieces but if you're gonna do peanut butter like granola i would assume you'd maybe fold in the peanut butter after 
or toss in peanut butter powder after. Got it. But that's something I haven't played with that. You'd have to like, we'd have to try it out and see. I feel like you've given me a task unknowingly that I'm gonna, I got a big thing of peanut butter powder. Um, Shout out to Allison Knott because she did a wonderful piece about peanut butter powder and her distaste for it. Uh, just <laughs> and as a general a big, product. Big, big piece of it. You you no, no, this, this is long, long before that. Long before that, I had bought it and I was doing that. I would make protein powder and I couldn't find any protein powder that I really liked, but I liked the taste of peanut butter. So I would just say, oh, well, I'm going to add this into the protein powder because it's easy and it tastes fine. But I couldn't find like a small jar of like PV2 or whatever. So the only thing I could find was at Sam's Club and it's a, it's served in oil barrels basically. So I have enough peanut butter power to last me till the end of time, I assume. Allison made a comment about it, you know, yeah, peanut butter has fat in it, but not all fat is bad. And if you like the taste of peanut butter, just eat peanut butter. Yeah. I personally like both because I will eat anything that is remotely like peanut butter, literally anything. So to each <laughs> their own. There's also some energy bites you can make going back to your peanut butter idea. You don't have to like um, bake anything in granola, but do we have like, like coffee energy bite balls? There's coconut date energy bite balls. There's these almond butter granola energy bite balls, which are really, really, really good. We can post those, those recipes on on our link here. And, um, those are really easy. You just have to get the ingredients and have like some sort of food processor to mix it all in, but, um, it's really good stuff. And then that stuff, uh, you can freeze it and pull it out whenever you need it and have it in, you know, in your bag for the day. And they're just good little snacks. Funny story about that. So Shannon did that once she read something when she was headed back to work, I believe. And so they, you know, I'm going to make these peanut butter oat, like energy snack bites. You know, this is just after returning to work from pregnancy and, you know, she was tired, didn't always have time to make food. Uh, and point being, she made these, didn't like them. And of course I tried them. and was like, these are amazing. And uh, she's like, you can have a few if you want and had them in this Tupperware container in the fridge. And every time I would walk by the fridge, I would grab like one or two, you know, and they're, they're the size of um, probably like a little bit smaller than like a tangerine, you know. Yeah. Uh, or a halo and i would walk through and grab two every single time you know so after 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 probably about like four days you know she went back to have one she's like where the hell are all of these you know <laughs> like, and i'm walking by her you know like i'm stuffed to my face and yeah i was like no clue what's going on and i you know but she mixed them with like she bought chocolate chips and oat and peanut butter and mixed all this in and a little bit of sweetener and, and they were like freaking awesome they were a fantastic snack that she did not enjoy any of and i destroyed because i uh, am a glutton <laughs> but now i want to try your version so i'm excited for that recipe yeah i'll put it up there so everyone can enjoy it um we've had a lot of experience with it and a lot of success with it too it's they're not my recipes but they're recipes that we've adapted so they're actually they're really good and then i know you like you you like a chex mix don't you big fan of that i'd eat chex mix if it were tossed in deer piss james well, that says a lot about your palate my <laughs> <laughs> listen i already eat great yogurt i'm used to tartness it's fine oh i don't know <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't even know where to start assuming what deer piss and chex mix tastes like it's a little pungent 
the 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 smell is the hardest part to get through. <laughs> it's like a it's like a strong cheese. There was a there's a <laughs> no, I, I disagree. There's a, a documentary with a Dalai Lama, and he said that every day he starts with he starts drinking uh, yak's milk. And he goes, the only thing worse than the first glass of yak's milk is the second glass of yak's milk. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I, I bet that's f-ing gross. <laughs> So, so here's a question. Did you know that Chex Mix, the original inventor of Chex Mix, was the company that makes pu- is Purina dog food? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurts. So Ralston Purina is introduced Chex Mix in the early 1930s, I think. And then um, I have here my wrong, my notes are wrong. But then in the 19- 1952, it was introduced by General Mills. So General Mills owns it. But it was developed by the same Purina company that makes dog food. So I'm not even mad about it. You know, look, they make a product that's a balance for my dogs. So I guess <laughs> how far off could they gotta be? Gotta be good people? for you too, right? Yeah, you know, it keeps my coat nice and <laughs> shiny. <laughs> Don't wonder if my hair looks so good yeah. all the time. I was thinking it was a shampoo. It must be all the Chex Mix, man. Oh man, I should probably eat more Chex Mix. Yeah. <laughs> Your beard looks great though. Thank you. And then the other thing, uh, Oreo cookies, The there's a ratio for Oreo cookies is 71% cookie to 29% cream. Now, that's not the double stuffed. Okay. However, that's, that's the ratio they go with. And um, I think the company, Bon Appetit, they, the, the social media Bon Appetit people, they're trying to recreate it or somebody was trying to recreate it. And it's really, it's actually really complicated because the chocolate in those Oreo cookies are is like more tart and darker than you think. And the balance of that cream is um is what really helps it. And that's why it's so addicting. Can I tell you a funny story about Oreos? Sure. So we didn't buy Oreos for a very long time in my house. And part of this is because my wife, my wife's family, they are the normal type of people who could buy junk food and have it in their house and it lasts more than three days because they don't just devour it all. What my wife would do is she would eat the inside of the Oreo and take the cookie and put it back and stick it back in the box. (laughs) 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 So, and I always hear this story because she would do that. (laughs) She'd eat the inside of the cookie. She'd put the cookie piece back. And, uh, and my father-in-law like went to go eat, <laughs> eat them, <laughs> took them out of the box. He's like, what the hell? You know, all of them are gone. <laughs> and I always thought that was the funniest story. <laughs> they stopped buying it because of that. Yeah. And granted, she was, she was much, much younger than she is now, obviously. This when she was a little kid. But I still think that's hilarious. I, however, when I eat Oreos, I have to eat Oreos as a couple, because what I will do is I will eat a top piece of each cookie and I will make a double stuffed Oreo. Yeah. Except for double stuffed because when you have like a super mega one, it doesn't even taste good anymore. It just what? tastes like I that's can't what do I it. do. It's too sweet. Yeah, yeah man. Oh, I do. I think I two I think the double stuff has is has to be the new normal. The new normal <sighs> regular one. Because that's like you know, as a kid, we, well, I say as a kid, like this is like two weeks ago, um, you take like six Oreos and then you just start stacking the cream on them. So you have this like four inch sandwich of Oreo cookie. It can't do it. It's it's too much. It ends up being too intensely sweet for me. I don't know why, but I do like, have you, of the Oreo flavors, what's your favorite Oreo flavor? Original. Um, really? 
Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, meander into the other categories. I've had like the birthday cake one, which is good, but just like the Doritos, like the original is the best. That's the you know that's the groundwork for all the other fun flavors. Like that's that's home. Fair, I get it. Which uh, one, so which I'm one's yours? The one that's the tastes lemon. like deer piss. No, no, no. They took that one off the market. It didn't sell well, actually. Only sold to one person. You. <laughs> yeah, they sold. They sold two boxes. Because <laughs> the first one I assumed was wrong, so I had to go back and try it again. No. <laughs> uh, ironically enough, along that same vein, I prefer the lemon ones. Really? Yeah, because they they used to make. I don't. I think it's Murray's used to make lemon cookies, and those those are ones that are intensely sweet. Like you, I would make a double stuff Murray's lemon cookie, and those are they're diabetically sweet and murray's took them off the market or at least i can't find them locally so i had to switch to the oreos but oreo does a pretty good job you know they also make a really good crust on stuff so like if you wanted to make a lemon flavored cheesecake or something you can use the the oreo lemon crust yeah well i think oreos is great for for that sort of stuff you can eat them as a cookie or you can do whatever else with them you can put them in ice cream you can make like dessert balls out of them you can make cake pops out of them you can i mean how many things are made with oreo flavors you know another funny oreo story when i worked in the restaurant we used to have a uh dessert that was covered with oreo cookie crumbles and probably like one of the best parts of being a server or something if somebody asks for extra oreos or something and most servers take a little ramekin a little to go ramekin and go and fill their little crumbled up oreo crust you yeah. know close the thing up and always after the shift and you'd see you know somebody go in the back and they're just housing these things i yeah. mean they were so good Jeez, that's awesome mm. so chex mix i was talking earlier to you about chex mix and then uh, there's a version called gardetto's which i think is like the more sophisticated version of chex mix you know not from dog food brands but you know <laughs> if you go to like those old like an old speakeasy, you're going to find like Gardetto's in there, you know, with like the toasted bagel chips and the pretzel. But that's the Chex Mix you find at your local yacht club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the one, it's Chex Mix you have to get when you pay a membership for someplace. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because all these snacks are outside of like, you know, all these like bar snacks, they're all salty and they're salty for a reason so that you buy more drinks and you're more thirsty. But even popcorn, there's, there's bars up north that have a popcorn machine and, and you can, it's like free for all. Eat as much popcorn as you want, but you're going to turn around and be like, oh, I'm going to eat another bucket of beer. I'm going to eat another this. So that's how they make their money. And I it's think that's kind of, and yeah, it's innovative. It's, it's just a great way of doing it. But um, if you wanted to make your own Gardettos at home or a version of it, you can, and you could bake everything instead of frying everything. There's just versions of, you know, the popular fried stuff that we get that we can just make in house. But again, I think the reason they're so popular is because they're convenient. You can get them anywhere. Oh, I totally agree. Um, I think that would be my concern of making a homemade Chex Mix is right. How many separate things do I have to buy? Components, like, yeah. I'm going to have to spend $50 to make a homemade Chex Mix for a bag that, you know, right. I can buy for $3 yeah. or I can buy for $4 BOGO. Right. Depending At a place where shopping is the, a pleasure. My favorite place. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I do have a question for you. Would you consider Pringles to be a potato chip? Uh, I do the same way that I consider bagged mashed potatoes to be real mashed potatoes. That's actually a really good answer. 
But bag mashed potatoes or like dried mashed potatoes are probably more potato than Pringles are. Really? I know they're made with potato flakes. I know that because I always thought that was interesting. On the so as a kid, we often would get the the like dry mashed potato mix. Like my mom would make that for convenience, and plus because we we ate a lot, so yeah. very often we get that. And that was the first thing I noticed. The ingredient says potato flakes, and I always thought that was very entertaining. I'm like, well, do they? Is this just like a flaky potato? Well, um, let's. I need to revisit that potato flake mashed potato thing after we talk about this. So I, how would you feel if I told you the main ingredient in Pringles is not potatoes? I would be shocked, but it wouldn't stop me from eating it. Oh no. Pringles are delicious. I'm not saying, yeah. I'm not trying to convince you otherwise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would be, I'd be shocked. I'd say that's yeah. So the amount of potato in, in uh, Pringles is 42%. Oh no. It's like the meat in Taco Bell. But when you look at the ingredients, it's the first ingredient listed because it's the one that has the most of that one ingredient. The rest of the ingredients, the 58%, the 58% is a mix of like sunflower oil, potato starch, rice flour. There's like sugar, dextrose, fat, milk salads, onion powder, like all monosodium, glutamate, MSG. Yep. <laughs> cornstarch mm. sour you know like and then the artificial flavors the malic acid you know that like milk m- milk like just the small parts of milk that don't spoil like dried milk and stuff like that but something to consider and the reason why this is important is because when pringles came out they were the newfangled potato chip that's how they were like you know thought of because you can put them in a can and they were like just a new innovative way of eating a potato chip mm. but overseas Procter and Gamble owns Pringles overseas in in France and in England. They had a what started as a ten percent and went up to a twenty percent consumer tax, and um, it was everything was like if you if you wanted to buy potatoes from the states to UK, twenty percent tax. You know, so what Procter and Gamble yeah. did was say, well, these aren't chips; they're called they're actually crisps. They're potato crisps. So they avoided this tax for so long. And then the the English, there's a, a judge in England was like, hold on a second. How much potato is in this? Let's go back and like figure out what's happening here. Um, they It took them three years. In 2017 or 2016, 2019 or 18, something pretty recent. They basically ruled that there's enough potato in Pringles to call them chips. And now they have to pay back tax Oh my god! All <laughs> the years they had to do this, it was yeah, it was in Britain, it, and it was a seventeen point five percent back tax. Oh, so in two thousand eight, that's when it was in two thousand eight, not, not two thousand. So between oh seven and oh nine, they they were in court to figure out like, you know, you're trying to avoid this tax by calling it a crisp and not a chip, and then they had to change their name back to a chip. But that's crazy. I wonder if that means if like you've got a box of pringles somewhere in the uk made during that period that maybe that's that's probably worth like a lot of money nobody maybe. will eat it i no. hope uh no i mean they'd probably say crisp on it but they ended up paying 160 million in back taxes oh begrudgingly <laughs> calling their new <laughs> potato chips uh a potato chip <laughs> and here's the real lesson everybody Big corporations are going to do whatever they can to avoid paying taxes 100%. and the government's gonna get you yep. Yep, 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 yep. 
So that's funny. It's like, well, no, they're not. They're not chips. They're crisps. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's freaking. Listen, you have to. You have to appreciate the, the innovativeness between that. And I wonder if how that would change consumer mindset of the product if they knew that, right? Like, no, 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 no. These Pringles that you're buying aren't technically potatoes. People are like, wait, what? Well, I think in in England, chips has a different meaning than here. Like chips are like fries over there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. You know? So I think they're trying to play on that. But I mean, you know, as a CEO of Procter and Gamble or or Pringles, be like, we ain't paying twenty percent tax to get our food over there. It's smart though. I mean, you got you got to give them credit, man, for trying. <laughs> credit where credit's due. A hundred percent. By the way, to retract my previous statement, how I said that I don't prefer my potato chips to have a flavor: sour cream and onion Pringles. That I prefer, but technically they're not potato chips, so it's fine. Right. I feel like the rule still stands. <laughs> Technicality, uh, baby. Yeah. Well, what I find really interesting is outside of the U.S. and parts of Europe, the same brand chips and candies and snacks have completely different cultural related ref- uh, flavors in other places. So, like Japanese Kit Kats, Japanese have like green tea or mochi or like a bunch of different kinds of ones. Coca-Cola is a great example. If you ever go to the world of Coke at, uh, in Atlanta, you can try Coke products from different parts of the world. And some of them taste like absolute <laughs> And some of them taste really freaking good. But you can have like South American versions of these favorite snacks that you know here. And they're so different. Um, they don't call them the same. They're like, they're like the brand like the, the lemon brand or, you know, it's not Coke. Coke is the same everywhere uh, for the most part. But like we have Fanta or we have like orange soda. They have a version of it that's called something else that's more tailored or they have a specific brand for their own culture or their own, you know, area. Well, um, think about it. Their palate's probably so different based on your your food, right? So I it makes a lot of sense. I do have to say I've tried the, the green tea Kit Kat I think I've had before because I want to say they sold that here in the States and it is pretty good. That, that one's definitely- They sell that at Disney. They sell that in Epcot. So my neighbors who live in Canada, they'll bring me back stuff from Canada every single time they come because my neighbors are awesome. But they'll bring me like random things. Somehow we got in a conversation about the candy Smarties. So if you're listening from the States, you're familiar with Smarties. Smarties are these like little circular things. They're about a little smaller than a dime. And they are stacked a little bit higher. They're probably like maybe an eighth an inch high. And they've got little divots in them. And they're a little chalky. And they're heavily, heavily sugary flavored, right? So, you know, you get like the yellow ones are really tart. They're like lemon. The purple or pink ones, I can't really tell what color it really is. Because it, it, again, is very chalky. But they're they're this like good weird candy. It's wrapped in uh, like, like cellophane plastic. So my wife and I will usually get those out for Halloween every year. We'll, we'll get them and we'll end up eating most of them before we can give them out. And I mentioned to my neighbor that we picked up Smarties and he said, oh, that's not Smarties. Smarties are a chocolate candy. And I said, well, what the hell are you talking about? So in, the, the, in Canada, Smarties are like closer to an M&M, I guess is a good way to describe it. Okay. So chocolate center outside the like candy shell, really weird stuff like that. So, so what he would do every year is he brings me these random... Canadian candy bars and some of them are just so different from what you would find in the states right so if you think like a Snickers bar here 
you know, nougat chocolate, the caramel peanut, right? There, there's a candy bar that he brings that is a, the only way I can describe it is it's like, it's like taffy with like peanut chunks in it. And it's a very popular candy bar. I can't remember what the name is, but you know, if I remember what it is that he ends up bringing, I'll, I'll we'll post a, a link of those inside the description too. But it's really interesting because we've never, you know, it was truly like mind blowing to us because some of those I would try and I was like, these don't even taste like candy. This is just odd, you know, or right. uh, very, very molasses, uh, very like maple syrup or syrup based items, which it just, you can tell it was like not designed at all for the American consumer, but it works great in Canada, you know, so. They also bring back Kraft peanut butter for me because in Canada, Kraft makes peanut butter. And last time he brought it, he's like, oh yeah, I'll bring you a jar of peanut butter. And he brought me a two kilo <laughs> jar of peanut butter. Yeah. And for those of you who measure in freedom units as well, two kilos is approximately <laughs> is approximately 4.4 pounds of peanut butter. Oh, wow. Which is a ton of peanut butter. I mean, yeah. we made, I brought it into work and one of the chefs made peanut butter cookies twice and we still didn't even get halfway through that container. Jeez. It was, it was, I was like chipping away at it or I'm sorry. He, he brought, he brought a one kilo container, which is still again, 2.2 pounds of peanut butter, which is obnoxious. It's like the Sam's club version on steroids, but it's made by Kraft and it's got a little bear on the front and it's written half in, in French. So it says Cremu on it. There's a lot of versions of Smarties. Yeah. There's like chocolate there's like the, the flat flat disc ones. There's the ones that come like look like little pills almost. Yep. Yeah, those are it's 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 very interesting. Huh. That's pretty cool. Anyway. Well, James, hey, I think it's a. Is it a wrap? I think it's a wrap. Yeah, it's a wrap, baby. Let's do it. Well, hey guys, James. First off, thank you very much. I was like talking about snacks because I like snacks. Yeah, man, my pleasure. Yep. I'm excited to make some shit. not actual shit, but snacks. Is what I meant. But if you guys have some suggestions, any snacks you want James to try and make, possibly ones that include a goose egg, send us an email <laughs> at yomoscookingcast at gmail.com. Subscribe if you're not already subscribed. And uh, hey, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. trying to say i was wrong james and you were right so Ooh, i'm glad we got that recorded yeah good thing i edit <laughs> not all of them <laughs> <laughs>